Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. Today I have the incredible Mark Luino, giraffe neck Mark on all the social medias. Mark is a baseball YouTuber or baseball content creator, however you like to look at it, and it's his full-time job. It was so much fun getting to talk to Mark a, just about baseball, which is an absolute blast, but getting to hear about his content creation journey and how quickly he was able to amass a community by just paying attention, seeing what's happening, and creating content that he would like. He really goes into what that process is like, what are some of the most important things when paying attention to YouTube videos outside of just, you know, make sure you have a good camera and make sure you have a microphone so people can hear you. So that was a lot of fun, and of course, we just get to talk about the Mets, we get to talk about baseball and some other things that are going on. So I hope you really guys, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode with Mark. Awesome. All right. Well, today we have Mark Luino, uh, also known as Giraffe Neck Mark, which, I mean, I've seen some of your videos, man. Very self-deprecating, but I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, you know, like, I think it was a lot worse when I was really starting to go with the name. I think I've kind of filled into my body a little bit more, but uh, the neck's a little bit longer than the average person. All right. Well, hey, um, I'll be honest, you hide it pretty darn well, man. You're doing whatever you're doing, you're doing well. I love it. I love it. Mark is a is it a baseball YouTuber? Is that how you like to say it? What, like, define it for me. So there's like no real definition, but I like I tell people I make vi- videos about baseball. So baseball content creator, MLB, whatever you want to call it, it's all the same to me. I love it, man. Baseball content creator. I mean, three incredible words that I think many people would pay to have your job, but instead somebody pays you to do what you do, right? So I, I love it. Oh, and also more importantly, you're a Mets fan, so. Big Mets fan. You're already already top five, one of my best friends, because I don't have that many friends that are Mets fans, unfortunately. So you rocketed right to the top of the list, Mark. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So uh, the first question I always like to ask everybody is, where does your love of sports come from? Uh, definitely probably comes from my dad. I mean, he's a big sports fan, and baseball was definitely his favorite sport. So, you know, growing up, I pretty much had no choice. I think he was telling me, like, you know, as a baby, he was just – he would sit down and watch the game. I'm sitting right next to him. So I was always, you know, wrapped around sports, and baseball was really the one that I, like, stuck with. That's the one that really grabbed my interest the most. It's awesome. I mean, baseball is such a beautiful game. Uh, I know soccer has that title internationally, but I think baseball just is – the game inside the game, everything that happens, you know, I talk to so many people and they're like, oh, baseball is boring. It's like, you're not paying attention to it then. There's so much stuff that's going on. Um, It's not as much anymore, I guess, with like analytics and everything, but I still love it. And I still am going to watch every game that I can. And I just think it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So as you said, you're a baseball content creator. Mets fan, all these things. I'm just so happy that I get to hang out with you for a couple minutes. I've watched your videos online. I think that they're awesome. Um, I think you're doing a lot of cool stuff. So how exactly, what was it like starting in the content creation game? Like I, I have to go with the assumption that you did not think in your wildest dreams, a hundred plus thousand subscribers was, was in the cards. Yeah. So it, my content creation career, I guess you could say, or my journey actually started back in high school under a different YouTube channel name. Uh, I was uploading FIFA videos at the time. 
And the reason I did that was because I was watching this one YouTuber from the UK who was doing a lot of fun things, was able to travel. And that was like one of the main things that kind of pushed me towards YouTube was, oh, he gets to travel. I love doing that. So I started making the FIFA videos, never really panned out to anything, but it was a good start for me because I kind of got to figure out like what I like to do, how to make videos, get my foot feet wet while, you know, kind of not really having to be too professional or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, and then I went to college was doing like my own like little business thing there. Um, and then eventually was like, I want to get back into baseball. I'm not playing and I need like that fix. I need something to keep my baseball interest because obviously not playing it, that took up almost all of my time as mm -hmm. high school. So I need to fill that. And I ended up making a YouTube channel, which never the plan was it for to be my job. Never was it to be like this full-time thing. I was like, eh, if I upload a couple of videos here and there, it'll be fun. And uh, yeah, I caught the bug. I'm addicted. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And, and as I was telling you before we started, I, I've learned to love, not even learned to love, just figured out how much I love talking into a microphone. It's so much fun getting to ask people questions uh, like yourself, really interesting, different walks of life, coming from different places. So um, you start uploading a couple videos, I guess, when exactly did you just fall in love immediately? Was it like, hey, this is so much fun. I'm just going to continue to do it because it's the consistency that I've found for a lot of people that they lack. So like when, when did you finally hit your, hit your stride, I guess? Yeah. So I hit my stride, honestly, probably around this time last year. Uh, I, on this, on this channel, I originally started uploading MLB, the show, the video game. So that was okay. kind of like what got my foot in the door. The plan was always to make the transition into what I'm doing now, which is talk about real baseball. But at the time there was no real community whatsoever on YouTube. So I was like, okay, I'd be making videos for 10 people as opposed to making a video about the baseball video game, which has an audience that's a little bit bigger they're baseball fans. Hopefully I can convert them into fans of mine that will watch my real baseball content. So, um, around like August of 2018, I decided I'm going to drop the video game. It's all real baseball content. And then around January is when I really started to figure out what was working. And then April was when the channel hit an absolute like peak and that's, you know, started the baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Sense. And since then it's just been like nonstop every day. This is all I think about 24 seven. That's awesome, man. I mean, you get to think about baseball 24-7. You get to create all this content around the thing that you love, presumably the most, um, you know, outside of any girlfriends and family members or even more. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I like baseball more than some of my family members. It is what it is. Yeah. Baseball's never left me. Baseball will never leave me. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, baseball will always be there for you no matter what. And so, so yeah, it makes sense. Start of the, start of the season is when it really, um, I guess, spiked or peaked, as you said. But, I mean – that's a very short time frame. I know I've been told, I, I'm not going to say I know because it's not my, not my domain, but I've been told YouTube is the hardest to actually really gain a following, gain that subscription base because so many people, it's so easy to find the videos without having to click subscribe. And, you know, obviously with, with social media, Instagram, just being on now YouTube, obviously on our phones and everything. But I mean, how, how did, when, at what point was it just like, whoa, like there's clearly, clearly something here that I can tap into. So I think when everything started to really click in my head was probably like, again, beginning of April, mm -hmm. I was actually listening to another podcast and they had, I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Beast on there. Um, he's another really popular YouTuber, doesn't do any mm -hmm. sports related content, but mega viral stuff. And he was talking about, you know, the YouTube algorithm is always something that that's a hot word around the YouTube community, the algorithm. You want to try to hit the algorithm as much so that your videos get pushed out to as many people as possible. And he basically said, you know, like F that. Don't worry about the algorithm. It's like very simple. Make videos people want to watch. It's all about the title, the thumbnail. Basically, if your name wasn't attached to it, 
would you click it? If the answer is no, you need to go back and you need to think about how to get people to click it. So that like short conversation that he had on that podcast, some, it did something in my brain. We rewired it. And since then I'm like, it's definitely not easy, but I have the groove and I understand what I need to do to get views. And yeah, I mean like it's, it's the thing with YouTube. And like you said, a lot of people have told you that it's kind of like the toughest place to really get going is that there's so much to it that you don't even think of because you make a video and you think it's going to be good, right? You're not going to ever put out something that you think is not good. So you kind of almost have to take a step back and like be out of body almost and be like, all right, if I didn't know who this was, is this something that interests me? It's tough to do, but once you figure it out, you kind of can keep riding that for a bit, but you're always adapting. I, I love it. I mean, you have to be right. Like, as, as you said, I mean, the algorithm is a huge thing and that's I, really any influencing community. You always hear about the algorithm, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube. One thing, two questions, one for, well, one comment and a question. First, you said, you know, make content you like. I heard something very similar to that um, with Tim Ferriss. So it was a different podcast that we were listening to that we both hit. Um, you know, there's, how many, there's 350, 400 million people in America, however many billion people on planet earth, there's at least a hundred thousand people out there that like the same stuff you like, exactly. right? At least a hundred thousand. So I was like, wow, that's a really good point. Like don't make content for 7 billion people, yep. make content for a million, make content for you because there's enough people out there that like, at least to the 99th percentile, what you like they're going to listen to it. They're going to enjoy it. And as long as you can, yes, yeah, stay consistent, stay persistent and keep getting better at it there's enough people out there that are going to like it. So that's exactly what you heard. And the, just a different person on a different podcast, which is actually really funny. And I, I, uh, I like that. But, um, so as you were saying, there's cer certain things that you don't think about when creating a YouTube video. What are some of those things just, I guess, off the top of your head? So when I'm making a YouTube video, like things that I'm not worried about, I'm not necessarily worried about like the perception. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I don't care if someone's going to disagree with what I say. I'm super opinionated on my channel. I feel like that's one of the things that steps me apart yeah. from a lot of people um, is that I give my opinion. I don't really stand on the fence. So I've made some videos where people, 99% of people hate what I have to say. Um, and then I've also made videos where it's everyone's agreeing with me. So the opinion thing doesn't really get to me. It's not something that I keep in my mind when I'm recording is, oh, I should be appeasing the people. I just tell you what I think. Um, and then like another thing that I just try to kind of like back away from is just like anything that is going to kind of like cross the line. I don't want to be, I don't want to give you a reason to not watch me. So when I first started, I was pretty vulgar. I cursed a lot. Um, and that's something I've cut down on just because now having met fans of mine and all that kind of stuff, like a lot of these guys are nine, 10 years old and I don't want to make it a thing where they can't watch their video in front of their parents because I'm cursing out here saying the F word. So, you know, you, you, there's some things that you pick and choose and you change, but at the end of the day, not much has really changed really for me. Mm -hmm. And that, and that makes sense. I mean, YouTube has always um, skewed relatively young, if I'm not mistaken um, with the audience demographics. So yeah, you kind of want to, again, you don't need to appease everybody, but there's easy ways to just, as you said, not say shit, right? Like you can yeah. just say stupid, like it's, it's yeah, really exactly. easy, right? So um, that, that's a, as you said, you got to adapt. You always have to be on top of it and understand how you can make this better for yourself. Um, get better for yourself, but then also make sure that the community is always in mind. What, um, did you ever have a quote unquote real job right after college? No. So I graduated this past May. So, okay. Uh, so April, so you were already hitting your stride in college. Yeah. So I hit my stride, like literally my last month of classes, which awesome. was interesting because, you know, last month of classes you usually have your finals leading up and that's a big time for graduating. Like you don't want to make sure you screw up. Uh, so I was juggling that along with 
putting out these videos now because once you hit that wave in YouTube, you got to ride it for as long as possible. Like you can't give them a reason to not keep pushing your content. So uh, it was definitely a tough juggle, but I literally, the jobs that I've worked outside of this, like I've pretty much been self-employed all the time. Like I've mentioned a little briefly, but I had a, a business that I did at the end of high school, beginning of college that was able to do really well for me. And uh, I coached baseball in the summer. That was kind of my thing. So never really like actually worked for someone, which is interesting. Well, hey man, you're working now. Um, and that's one thing I also want to touch upon a little bit too. Like, I feel like you probably get a lot of, oh, I could do this. Oh yeah, you're just talking about baseball. How hard could that be? Um, what, what do you say to those people? Because I know creating daily content, especially video content and seeing how much you edit and seeing all the work and the effort that you put into it, um, I'm sure it's a lot harder than it looks uh, as the finished product. So there's a lot of different like reactions that I get. Like you mentioned, like if someone comes at me like hostile, kind of being like, oh, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. I could do this. I got do it. Let me see what you got. I dare you. Yeah. Be- beat me. Beat me. I'd love to see you try. I love competition. Like that's one of the things that like fuels my channel is like I see other people doing well and I'm like, I got to go beat that guy. I got to go be better than him. Um, but then like on the other hand, I also have people who are like, how do you do it? And I'm like, it's really not that like you can do it. You just got to like with anything, you got to take some time. You got to learn the craft. You got to learn the tools and everything like that. But at the end of the day, like the barrier to entry to YouTube is so much less than like some other conventional jobs that people do. It's just a matter of you having to learn how to use Photoshop or how to use Final Cut or Adobe, which can be scary for people because obviously computer software, you know, it's advanced stuff sometimes. Yeah, no, and that that's that's a, it's a great point. I mean, it's just one of those things. And the other thing I'd love to, I, I saw in one of your recent videos, um, you were talking about how, you know, hey, I needed to take some time off this weekend and I just yeah. didn't make any videos. Talk about the grind a little bit and what that is like and kind of knowing that, as you said, once you hit that wave, you got to go. So every single day you have to put out something that, and some of them are 20 minutes long at some point. Yeah, so I think in the year of 2019, I uploaded about, 200 to 250 videos, which was by far like a career high, I guess I could say for me. Love it. (laughs) Like that's 250 days where I'm working. Um, and I know I don't necessarily work, you know, nine to five, my hours are a little bit different, but also at the same time, my hours, let's say I make my video for three hours a day. I'm still on my computer for six hours looking at everything baseball related. Like it's constantly involved, like involved in my life. So the grind can really get to you. And something that I've found is like, now that where I'm being where I am, I can afford to take a couple of days off here and there. And it is super important. Like I was just so drained. The month of December is a huge grind because of how advertising and everything works. That's the month you got to work the hardest. Um, and I just need a couple of days off and for my like mental sanity and stuff, it just, it was great to not do anything for a few days, not worry about baseball, not talk about it as much as I love it. Everything in moderation, you know? Absolutely. Uh, if you don't mind, what exactly when you're talking about December and, and I mean the grind, obviously there's the holiday season and travel and BS with your family. What exactly do you mean by that's the, that's the time you have to go after advertisers? So, you know, throughout the year on YouTube, you get paid through CPM. So view, uh, per thousand views essentially. Mm -hmm. And in December that skyrockets because companies are paying, they know Christmas is coming up the holiday season, everybody's spending more money. So they're willing to spend more money on the advertisements on your video, which gives you more pay bump. So usually everybody goes really hard in December because January gets almost cut in like by a fifth. So wow, you push hard in December knowing that January is going to be low. They eventually even out. Everything comes out to the same at the end of the day, but that's how it kind of works. That's pretty cool. So I'm assuming you're trying to do, you know, if not one video every single day, uh, multiple videos on certain days. Yeah, I 
so for me, I try not to do multiple a day just because I kind of like to have my stuff like sit and like I, I use the term marinate a little bit. Mm. <laughs> I like to let it just sit out there, live for a little bit, give it some like air, give it some space so that I can breathe. Um, and I focused more this December on not putting out more videos, but putting out one every single day and making sure it was a really good video. So mm-hmm. one of the things I did was I ranked the 12 days leading up to Christmas, uh, every single position, the best player from each team. And that was like a huge overhaul. That was something that I started, you know, at the beginning of the month, mm-hmm. make sure that it was ready for the 13th. Um, and that was like really a good decision at the end of the day for me. I was super happy about it. So I know I'll be doing that again next year. So it's, you know, sometimes quality over quality or quantity really does work. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. I think it all, it's, it's always about quality. The, the better quality you can put out, the happier your community is going to be right um with this especially i mean i agree but i also love quantity i mean the thing about podcasts is you know you you don't need to watch it you can in your car you know what's the average commute about 45 minutes a day one way so you know someone has an hour and a half they can burn and listen to mike and mark just bs about baseball and youtube and learn a little bit more about his channel and what he's doing so i like that aspect of this medium and i think it's it's way more it's I have a face for radio, I think is what I've been told. No, I'm kidding. Um, but it's, it's just one of those things where I, I love this opportunity. I love this, this medium a lot. And I'm just going to try and, as you said, my goal is actually a minimum of 200 episodes for the 2020 season. So 2020 year. Uh, so exactly what you did last year, you know, hopefully cross your fingers. I have 106,000 subscribers, um, by, by that time next year. But, uh, if I don't, whatever, man, we're just going to keep rocking and rolling. I'm going to continue to find my voice and, and move forward with that. So what um the grind aspect of it as you said like you came up with this cool idea for the 12 days leading up to christmas and um i hope i'm assuming mike trout was number one on the outfielder list i'm I'm assuming pete alonzo was somewhere in the top 10 um where'd you put fernando tatis jr fernando tatis was in my top 10 for me at shortstop huge fernando tatis guys you can probably yeah yep jersey up there i think i put him i want to say either like six seven or eight i think Mm -hmm. right around that clump for me Uh, i know he only played like 80 something games last year but those he was incredible yeah incredible i mean you put that those numbers up for a full season he was an mvp candidate and i know his like defensive numbers were a little bit rough but his errors were throwing like he has a nasty glove he's gonna fix the throwing that comes with being a young player and trying to do too much um i am a huge fan of him i know the debate for the next few years is gonna be like him or pete who's better from that rookie class. I love Pete, but you, you, you take Tatis. He plays a more valuable position, and he just honestly offers a little bit more. I completely agree. I love Pete Alonso. What he did last year was incredible. He's just such a – he just seems like a kind of guy you want to just, like, give him a nice big hug, and he'll give you a nice big hug back. Um, he just seems like a cool guy. But, um, I mean, for, for a while there, people, even with Tatis Jr. only playing however many games he did, he was still, like – uh, I don't know, guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> he still might win Rookie of the Year, even with Pete Alonso playing a full season. Obviously, that didn't happen. He hit 50-whatever home runs, which was so much fun to watch. Um, and, yeah, he was much better defender. That was one thing. Everyone was like, he can't defend at all. I mean, his range isn't huge, but he's got a pretty solid glove when he's picking it over there, especially considering how terrible the Mets infield defense is. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing that always bothered me, like you just said about the defense with Alonzo, like, people just constantly talk about how bad he is. I'm like, but here's the thing that, like, I think all the sabermetric stats don't really pick up is, like, his scoops are on another level. He's got to be one of the best guys at first base in baseball doing that. I know I don't watch all the teams, but, yeah, like, from what I saw, there was very few times where it even just clanked off of it. Like, he just – he gets everything. He digs it up, and that doesn't get counted into these defensive stats – which I think would help him out massively. Cause like you said, his range isn't great. And sometimes he does overextend. He tries to dive at a ball. That's a routine ground ball, the second baseman, but 
I was really impressed with how he played first base. Like we heard it coming up. I thought we were going to be seeing like a Lucas Duda type of. Oh, oof. so I was impressed. Yeah, man, I was I was very impressed too. And actually, um, your roommate James Shiano and I, his episode's already out. So make sure you go. How how cool is that? Two baseball guys hanging out in a house just get to talk baseball all day. Like that's big Mets fans too. Yeah, right, man. That's got to be incredible. Do you guys watch all the games together? I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean the plan is this is our. We've been living together for like two weeks now or two. Or three. Oh. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah. Congratulations, just moving in. Oh man, this is gonna this is gonna be the greatest baseball season ever for you guys, especially if the Mets are semi decent. That would be incredible. Oh, listen, you give me a season like last year, just make the playoffs. I'm in. Like I I'm too. excited. <laughs> exactly right. Like that's all I want. Shoot, give me the wild card game. I don't care. It's still oh, it's one, it's more fun. Game, exactly. In that's like high stakes. Talk about like that's basically almost a game seven. So. Right. Well, that's I remember um, the huge argument against that. One of my friends and I we were talking about it. And do you remember? I can't remember whatever year it was, but it was that that final day in baseball where like five playoff spots were up for grabs. There was so much stuff going on. No one knew it was going to happen. And then I think like the next year is when they implemented the wild card. And my friend's like, I don't know, man, like this, that's going to ruin that. Like you're not going to get it. And I was like, maybe, but actually it made it better because now more teams are capable of making the playoffs. There's less teams that are just God awful. Unless you look at the American league for whatever, just yeah. half the teams over there are like, no, nah, it's cool. Yankees, Astros, Red Sox, you guys got it for the next 10 years. Um, and now we have these, yeah, essentially we have these game sevens right out of the gate. My blood's already pumping and I can't wait. I love, I love baseball. That's all yeah. I can say, Mark. I just love baseball. Yeah, like as a baseball fan, I mean, what, what did we have last year? We had the Nationals and the Brewers. That yep. was a gr- great game. Ended it was fantastic. insane. Like, right? bad for the kid in right field, but at the end of oh. the day, he's going to be fine. He'll forget about it. Well, Josh Hader, though, I... I, I also Mets fan, so I'm not a big – I actually don't hate the Nationals as much anymore because Bryce Harper has gone. But, yep. yeah, dude, Josh Hader, that was bad. That was and just I'm, bad. And, like, I hate to say it, but, like, I was a huge Rendon guy. I love him. I love Juan Soto. He's the man. I'm like, why do these guys got to be on the Nationals? I right. For them so badly. Like, Trey Turner, all their guys I really like, which is, of course, like, not okay as a Mets fan. But No. You know, it's okay. I was, I was glad to see them win because I would have rather seen them than the Brewers. And then what was in the American League? Who do we have? We had uh, uh, a – it was uh, the A's, yeah, Tampa yeah, Bay and the A's. Oakland. And that game got off to a bang at the start. And then we got to see Jesus Lizardo come in and just shut them down. I was like, this is – I have no affiliation with any of these teams, and I'm glued to my TV. Like, right. I stop watching. It's that that's, that's the best part about baseball. And, I mean, that's the best part about sports, right? It's the, it's the real-life drama. Like, I don't know why people – why do you watch the Kardashians? Just throw on a college basketball game, man, and watch the last two minutes. That stuff is insane. Like, I just love it so much, and I just – there's nothing like it for me. Um, we went off on a little tangent. We were somewhere, and I had a question, but I guess it's gone now. It is what it is. But with um, with the content creation game, I want to talk about that a little bit more. With being a very big Mets fan, how how do you make sure that that bias either doesn't come through too much, or you kind of preface everything like, "By the way, guys, this is what I am." Like, how how do you kind of handle that and and being true to yourself, as you talked about before? Yeah, so this is actually a really hot topic on my channel because I get called biased a ton, and I definitely have some. Everybody who roots for a team, you're going to have bias. Like the whole Pete Alonso thing I just mentioned about defense, people call me biased. I watch the games. I know what's happening, Um, and I know I'm sure I hold them in a little bit of a higher light than some others, but um, I sometimes play into it, and then sometimes I don't. So last year, I picked the Mets to win the World Series. I knew exactly what I was doing. Were they the right choice? Absolutely not. Of course not. But that video ended up getting, I think, close to 200,000 views. And if I picked the Astros to play the Dodgers like it should have been, no one cares. That doesn't mm-hmm. get people watching. doesn't get people excited. So I try not to make it too crazy. 
Um, but I also try to, you know, every once in a while, take some jabs here or there. Yeah. Uh, another big thing is like me ripping on Yankees fans. And yeah. Yankees. Oh my God. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So every year when they get knocked out of the playoffs, it's this big thing. I make a, the Yankees lose video where I just like put all their like low lights of the year. I'm playing, Ugh. I'm playing like the last out of the game and everything like that. So that's, that's like a big video every year. Once a year, everyone looks forward to Yankee fans hate it. Everyone else loves it. Um, oh man. That's awesome. Yeah, but like to me, the word bias towards me has no meaning anymore because I put Jacob DeGrom as the number one pitcher in baseball and I was called biased. I'm like, but you guys are wrong. That's just right. That's what it is. Like, so I feel like people don't really actually even know what they're saying when they say it. They're just like, oh, you like the Mets, you put someone there, biased. Sometimes it shows, but it's not something I take to heart really. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and again, like as you said, like the Mets, picking the Mets for the World Series, we kind of both know that wasn't, but at the same time, if they made the playoffs and you have that rotation, it really is not that surprising. And if you could throw, what, like, that's what it really came down to me for was I believe that they were a playoff team last year. I think I put them as the second wild card. I was, I think two games off there. I think I had them at 90 wins and they won 88. Mm-hmm. I was close. Um, and I was like, because if this team gets to the playoffs, that's a team you don't want to run into. A team that hits home runs like they did. A team that has the starting pitching that they have. They can just shut you down. That's it. And I also expected Familia and Diaz to be able to pitch last year, which, <laughs> of course, that didn't happen. So, you know, yeah, just being able to pitch would have actually been kind of nice. Yeah, so I'd be mean, like, when you think about it in retrospect, it wasn't that crazy because if you get Familia and Diaz pitching just half as good as they really were, the Mets are a playoff team. And once you get to the playoffs – Anything can happen. So, you know, I don't do you, take it to heart too much. Off the top of your head, do you know how many saves they blew? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I remember that number being above 20. Like, yeah. after the seventh inning with the lead, they still lost that many games. It was insane. I, I think, I remember, like, when it got really, really bad. It was something like 27, and they were, it was pretty much them in the Nationals. as the yeah. Worst bullpens in baseball by a pretty good margin. And it's funny because those are the two teams, you know, that were right on the verge of making the playoffs and yep. the Nationals won it all. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I try to stay away from it as much as possible. And I think I am pretty fair a lot of times in my evaluation of players and stuff, but the fact that I make it so well known that I'm a Mets fan, anytime I talk about the Mets with anything, someone's going to say biased. And as I told you before, like I try not to appease the people. It's not something I really care about. Exactly. And I mean, what, where's the number one media market on like, New York. exactly. So whatever, man, you make more New York content. I don't think that many people are going to get angry about it. Um, couple things. Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. So if you want to go into a knife fight with anybody, bring me along, man. I'm right behind you. Um, the other thing, the Yankees lose. That is incredible, especially this year. Um, now I don't know if Jose Altuve was wearing a buzzer and he saw that, uh, uh, okay, whatever, but it was still a completely hung slider right over the middle of the plate. And he's a good hitter. So he crushed it. And I was watching that game in a hotel in Boston and everybody else was loving it just as much as I was. So it was, I I don't really like Boston because they pretty much just became the Yankees and their fans are kind of almost the worst too, but we're friends until the Yankees are out and I love every second of it. Yeah, we share a common enemy. Like, uh, yes, one of, the, one of the big guys I love on like Twitter and everything who's like a big kind of like inspiration or someone I look to for a lot of things like Jared Carabas, mm-hmm. uh, Barstool. And I just I love how he winds up Yankee fans. Like he does it as an art. I tried to like emulate it a little bit with like, yep. just the, the subtle jabs here and there. Um, and yeah, like I think like there's a good group of Red Sox. Every fan, yeah, yeah, every fan yeah. Base, you know, you can find bad Mets fans. It happens. 
No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because let me tell you, do you remember the uh, was it Mookie Betts going up to Rob Altuve in the ALCS twenty eighteen, and there was like that controversial if the fan reached over. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I made a video about that. And up until then, Red Sox fans loved me. But as soon as I went against the Red Sox, F you, screw this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, ah, it changes just like that. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, man. I mean, that's good. All publicity is good publicity, I guess, right? Like, however it comes, it comes. And I mean, if they're going to swear off your video, shoot, man, it's one video view, yes. right? Like, what are you going to do? It's like super, I don't, uh, narcissist is not the right word, but it's like, it's super arrogant of me to say like the one view doesn't matter. Cause obviously that, yeah. many people is watching, but also at the same time, like no one person is more important than anybody else. So like, you're not going to watch my video. I'm not losing any sleep over it. Exactly. And as you said, like the community is what matters. The community is what drives your page and what you do. Um, you know, obviously you create what you like, as you've said, but at the same time, you have to understand what your community wants and what the baseball fans in general want. Um, so I think that that's, it's a great way to look at it. I mean, if that it's, it's more on that guy, right? If you're that crazy that you disagree with me on something and then you will swear me off forever, honestly, dude. All right. That's cool. <laughs> you do you, I guess. Yeah. I think like the big thing I normally tell them, they're like, I was a big fan of you until this. I'm like, man, if like one opinions, why you don't want to watch me like this ain't the place for you. Don't worry about it. It's all good. See you next time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and shoot, you know, what are the chances that they actually swear you off to? Probably very little. Exactly. They're going to come back. If they liked you before, they got a little angry and two days they'll be back again. So it is what it is. Um, so I think I remembered my question from like five or 10 minutes ago. So this is awesome, by the way. I hope you're really enjoying it because this is a lot of fun for me. Oh, um, baseball. Ugh, love it. Oh, don't worry. We're going to get to some more Mets stuff too and just baseball in general as well. But with, um, with that content creation grind every single day, during the season, I'm sure it's a little bit easier, right? Like, oh, what happened if something crazy happened, if some good games? Like, you know, obviously, I've only been following you for a little while now. So I did not go super, super deep into your page to kind of see what that, you know, July, August, we're kind of in the dog days of summer in the middle of the season. Okay, come on, let's go. Um, what exactly do you do for the off season? And how do you kind of get ready and really come up with all these ideas to, again, make sure that they're good ideas and then you're engaging people and it, you're actually, you know, not putting uber amounts of work upon yourself. Yeah. So it's funny because I think I actually have less trouble coming up sometimes with a video during the off season than I do during the season. Um, I try not to be like a, a like a sports center on my channel mm -hmm. where I don't, that's fine. Like other people do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For, me, for me, I just don't care to like report on what happened yesterday, go through scores and any of that kind of stuff. That's not my kind of content that I like. Um, so sometimes I like struggle. One thing that I did last year was I made tier lists during the season, which was like a good way to kind of talk about mm -hmm. current baseball while keeping it not all news related. Um, but like during the season, if I come up with an idea, I go, that's something that it's not topical. It doesn't have to come out at a certain time. I have a Google doc that I had called like my 100 video ideas and I just throw it in there. So when the off season does come, I can go, okay, I don't have a video for today. Boom. Let's knock this one off the list and I'm done there. So I prepare all season for what's coming during the off season. That makes sense. Um, that's actually a great way to do it. As you said, if it's not urgent and it doesn't need to come out, okay, cool. Well, I'll just, I'll do it on one of the days that I know is going to be pretty light. Um, this off season was a little weird though. Um, obviously a lot of coaching hires, one guy, our guy, um, you know, I'm still angry at him. Just swing the bat, man. Just, just, <laughs> just swing the bat. But, um, you know, obviously with a lot of the controversy and stuff going around, I saw you made a couple of videos around that. Did that make it easier? Did that make it harder? Cause as you said, you're not like want to be super news related, but that's something that you can't just avoid. Right. Yeah. So like with like all the free agent moves and all the cheating stuff, that's like, so on topic for baseball, like you yeah. cover it no matter what. Um, so I don't mind like talking about trades or 
free agents or the managerial stuff with the cheating because there is still some opinion that's involved in it. I always try to keep it where it's not just me, you know, regurgitating information to you. Um, I like to give you, you know, some sort of ranking or some sort of opinion on what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, like the Beltron stuff was pretty crazy. Uh, the whole Astros cheating stuff was insane. It bad for baseball, great for the YouTube channel. <laughs> Everyone wants to hear what someone has to say on it. It made it real easy to make those videos because there's just so much out there that I could talk about it for days. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Easily talk about it for days, especially with some of the stuff. And you got, you know, multiple coaching hires by the Mets this year. You obviously just got Dusty Baker, I think was announced today. I don't know yeah, if it was I, I announced. Like 30 minutes before we started that Ken Rosenthal put out Dusty's officially the Astros new manager. Okay. So is that, is that easy? Just like, okay, cool. This is good enough that this is tomorrow or did you already have something on lock? Like what is your process like for creating these videos? Yeah. So the Dusty Baker thing's probably not big enough for me to make a, a video on. If there's, let's say, let's say like Yasiel Puig signs tomorrow, I can combine Puig with the Dusty Baker thing, talk about the Nolan Arenado trade rumors, get that to be one video. But typically what I try to do with my videos is make sure like 10 minutes is kind of like the sweet spot you want to hit for a minimum on YouTube. So like if there's not a whole lot to talk about there, I can't really do it. So, like, you know, just talking about Dusty alone. Dusty's a great manager. I think the Astros will be fine. That's it. Like, yeah. there's a lot to it, you know? So, how does he blow it? That's really the only question, I that's guess, right? really what it comes down to, yeah, is how does he get knocked out in the first round again? So, mm. um, yeah, my whole process with, like, coming up with video ideas is just, is there enough there for me to be able to talk about? And is there, like, uh, enough interest? Um, one video in particular, like, yesterday I did the DH video. I thought it was going to do well. Sometimes they don't do well. It kind of fell flat. I thought that there was probably more hype around it, but I think the people that I saw on Twitter talking about it was like the vocal minority, which is always like something to be worried about. Um, because making the video, it's like, I think people are like, yeah, of course the DH is good for baseball. Like that's, that's what we want. There's nothing to talk about here. So you swing and miss sometimes, but that's kind of the grind with doing YouTube is you just got to figure out, you get in your rhythms and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I am, of I guess the minority I don't want a DH um but I mean at this point it's just it's inevitable um it's weird that the players union hasn't been pushing for this because it, it extends careers and it allows people like Albert Pujols to stay with the Cardinals and not have to go to the Angels right like it's it's these weird little things that you'd think they would have pushed for that a long time ago but they haven't so I guess you know we go on I think they've always been afraid that having a DH is going to like devalue the contracts of a lot of players. Cause you'd be like, okay, you're just going to stand here and you're going to hit or whatever. So I think also the new bargaining agreements, what 2021 or 20. Yeah. I think 2021. So I know Ken Rosenthal put something out basically saying like, once that comes around, that's when you're really going to see the push for it. And that's probably when you expect the players union to make that push as well. Yeah. So uh, here's a question for last off season, what the heck did you do? Nothing happened. I feel like last off season, like last what it, that was insane. Yeah. I honestly, I'm trying to even remember because I think there was a lot of covering like Kelvin Herrera signed today. Uh, you know, like, like, <laughs> hey guys, remember him? <laughs> Kelvin Herrera signed for the white Sox. Yeah. Um, a lot of speculation videos, a lot of anytime there was a rumor about Harper and Machado, that's the video for the day. Harper to the Cubs. Nope. Uh, Machado to the White Sox. Shout out to my guy Hector Gomez for just fueling that because I made like 10 videos about that. Um, but it was definitely a little bit slower than la this current offseason, which I'm so much happier we had this offseason. It made it real easy to fly through it. 
Yeah, it's so much. I mean, look at like basketball, look at football, like that first day, those first 24 hours are insane. That's all you do. You just refresh Twitter just to see what happens. And baseball, it's like, okay, cool. You know, we have two of the biggest free agents to ever hit the market. Now let's wait till eh, February to sign them. It's like, oh my God, guys, like I love baseball, but man, it's so easy to point out all the dumb stuff that really holds, I don't want to say holds the game back, but really makes it way less interesting, especially considering how these other sports have made them 12 months long like the football season is 12 months long and it's it's crazy because baseball is by far the longest calendar wise of actual play i mean it technically starts in march and they don't end until october but they've somehow lost keeping the off-season interest where it's like you guys have like three months you need to worry about right can't do that like and you somehow messed it up i there's a lot of things that I would love to change with baseball. One of those being the off season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's just, it's crazy, especially how you look at the other sports and all you have to do is just do that. Like you don't even have to, don't, don't reinvent the wheel. Just do that. That's all you got to do. And yet they just continue to be baseball and I continue to be a sucker for it. And I, uh, I think we all will be exactly. Hopefully more people, hopefully. I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? Um, so with, um, Oh, shoot. I just had another question leave. Oh, man. I think it was a good one, too. What a drag. And this is why we do this live, right? Um, but all <laughs> we'll right. Come back to it. We'll come back to it. I'm sure there's there's something. Um, oh, okay. Here we go. I, I got it again. So with YouTube, with, I mean, pretty much any social platform, and it's crazy how YouTube is the biggest social media platform and the second biggest search engine on planet Earth. It's just insane. So with that and understanding the communities, how much collaboration do you do with other YouTube baseball, YouTube channels to make sure that you guys, I mean, there is a cross section of the audience that'll be interested. Why not? Let's both. I mean, there's enough time in a day. You can watch two videos, right? So how often is that like a conversation or, or actually implemented and executed? So right now in the major league baseball community, and I'm trying not to miss out any names, but there's obviously like John boy is kind of like the big guy. I wouldn't necessarily put him in the YouTuber category Mm -hmm. more in just like social media for baseball. Yeah. Cause he's killing that game. He's on another level. Um, but like straight up guys who like make videos every single day about baseball, there's like three or four, which is crazy. And we all know each other. So we're like all friendly, all cordial with each other, which is good. And then you have some guys like Foolish Baseball, who I'm, I'm sure you've seen some of his videos, some of the best stuff out there. And he takes a lot more time on his because he puts a lot more effort into them. And there's just, there's a lot more to it. Um, so we try to work with each other as much as possible, but a lot of us are, none of us are close to each other, which is one thing. Like uh, the one guy, Fuzzy, who's the other big guy along with me, he lives out in Las Vegas. And I live out in New York. So there's no like real in-person collaboration there. Um, So we try to like plan times to meet up. Uh, The all-star game is going to be like a huge thing for everybody to go meet up and hang out with each other. Uh, I got some spring training trips planned. So that's kind of like how we try to collaborate with each other. And we always just, you know, support each other. That's kind of like the biggest way that you can help each other out is just always be there for each other. If they make something good, shout it out without even having to ask and just, I'm going to tell people about it and just work off each other like that. There is only three so honestly, that's that's an insanely low number so from a daily standpoint, yeah 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 that i hate like saying this but like that have kind of made like a name for themselves um because there's definitely like some guys who are out oh there of who course we're yeah. trying to cut on the come up and i love seeing that like every once in a while i search whatever like if there's a big player that signed today like let's say castellanos i'll go search and i'm like okay let's see who made a castellanos video today right and uh, i'll go and comment on there like hey good video like keep it up just because we want the community to grow yeah it, competition's good and by having more people make the videos it expands not only their audience but also my audience because you're getting more eyes um but really on a daily basis it's like me and the fuzzy guy 
that do stuff every single day. I have a good friend whose name's Antonio. He's starting to get into it more. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard for a guy who's just starting to figure out what he wants to do with it, how to make the content every day and not get lost in the shuffle. Um, but that's like a huge problem with the MLB community is that there's just not enough. There's that's like so much available, but people I think are afraid that like the, the, the copyright system is like a big thing that holds a lot of people back um, with the clips and everything, or just that like, they're not going to get any views. It's like, nah, you'll, you'll get it if you make the good stuff. Like there was a guy who messaged me a couple of days ago who made a Arenado video. And I was like, funny enough, that was like the next one on my list that I was going to make. So I'm going to give you a shout out. I really liked what you did, like good work. And that's always something I've told people is that if you make good stuff, it is going to be found. Just make good stuff. It comes down to that. And how, but how do you know what's good? Cause as you said before, like everything you make, you kind of assume like, Oh, this is, this is great. You know, I made it. Um, how do you, how you talked about a little bit before, if you don't mind going a little more in depth, how do you kind of take that out of body experience, look at it. And with that critical eye, especially knowing that, Hey, I made it. And I thought it was great while I was making it. So there's obviously like some things that are a little subjective and objective when it comes to like what makes something good or not. Um, from a quality standpoint, from the straight up video, like you have to have a decent camera, which like I bought a $700 camera to make sure that the video looks good. That's important. Yeah. You're going to make that money back eventually. Same thing with the microphone. Like you got to have good video and audio that people can't watch your video or they can't hear it. That's a huge problem. People can't, won't be watching it then. You, you lost them. Um, and then the thing that I really focus on the most right now is about my title and my thumbnail. Those are the two most important things on YouTube. Um, titles, it's got to grab people, right? Same thing like with a headline in a newspaper or on a blog site. If it's not going to catch the eye, no one's going to click it. Um, and same thing with the thumbnail. I try to make sure that it's either very noticeable that it's mine or that you know exactly what you're going to be seeing. So, um, you know, clickbait's like kind of like a hot topic word. Yeah. Uh, I stand on the line of, I will clickbait you, but I'm not going to mislead you. You know what I'm saying? That's nice. So I'm going to get you to click, but it's not going to be like, oh my God, I got completely fooled here. Like this isn't even what I meant to click on. So, um, like one of the things I did with my rankings video was I, for the right field, because it's so loaded in right field on the thumbnail I had, I think Bellinger, Judge and Yelich or, or Mookie, one of those guys. And I put number one next to each of them because it's like huh. be number one, you know? Yeah. Um, or like I would change up the numbers on there, be like number 10, number eight. Cause at the end of the day, I still want you to see where I rank the guys. I'm not just going to give you the straight up ranking on the best three guys. So, um, it, it's hard, like you said, because you, we both agree when you make something, you think it's going to be good, but you really have to work to make sure that you know that you have to look at it from an outside view. Like one thing I do with my thumbnails is I'll zoom it really far out and I'll put it on like a YouTube page. I kind of like look at it from far away. And if my eyes get attracted to that, then I know that's a good thumbnail. Um, something with a title is like, I'll watch other people's videos and I'll see what their titles are like. And I go, Ooh, that's a really good way to phrase your title or Ooh, that's something that caught my interest. And like, it might have nothing to do with sports, might have to do baseball, but something there is working. How can I put that into my stuff? So you really have to be like a student of YouTube, not only just baseball, but taking all the content you possibly can. That's a, that's a really, really good point. You make a couple, I mean, don't, yeah. Uh, when it, it's a, it's a, it's a really is an advertising staple. Like if you're advertising cars, see what people are doing for soap, see what people are doing for, you know, food or, 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 you know, the toys, like there's something there where you can kind of connect those dots and put those things together when something is completely out of there. So I totally agree. See what other people are doing, especially outside of sports, because you don't want to get that think your group think going. You don't want to get that echo chamber too loud. Um, 
And that's a really cool way of doing the thumbnail as well, kind of seeing it from very far away. And if you can see it, if it's colorful enough, I saw the one you did for uh, Nolan Arenado. Um, it, it was a little clickbaity, the title, because yeah. I personally don't think he's getting traded, but of course, yeah. the video was good. The thumbnail was awesome. I think you had him in Cubs, Cardinals or someone, I can't remember the exact yeah. three, but like you did an awesome job with the Photoshop. It looked like straight up he was in that uniform and it looked great and it totally caught my attention um and i don't think as you said you didn't mislead within the video it's not like something like oh he's gonna get traded to the marlins like shut up no he's not that's stupid that doesn't even make sense right so it's just one of those things where like it the way you did it i thought again you you did toe the line a little bit of clickbait versus miss no 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 you did not toe the line you you did a great job at not misleading yeah. But still getting me like, oh, okay, actually, you know, the eight teams he actually is going to get like potentially traded yeah. to, like, let's watch it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Like the way I think about it is like, if I were to, let's say like clickbait it, like how a lot of people view it, I would have been like, Nolan Arenado traded, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. What? Nolan Arenado got traded. And it was like, no, I gotcha. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to, I don't ever want to say gotcha. You know, I feel like yeah. that's almost like the way you go. Okay. If someone sees this, are they going to be like, oh, he got me. Like. Yeah, that happens with me in articles all the time. Like sometimes I'm just like, there's no way this is real. Like, shut up. I'm not going to click on it. And then sometimes it gets me. I'm just like, damn it. Like halfway, halfway through like the first paragraph, I'm just like, son of a, God damn it. All right, I'm out. You got, um, you got your click. Yeah, exactly. You got it. You got your, you know, whatever sense for your uh, banner ads. I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Um, all right. What, uh, that, that's enough on just general YouTube talk. Now I kind of want to talk a little bit about the Mets. Sure, let's do it. What? Oh wait, no. Last question. I'm sorry. How much time do you spend? How much time do you spend on BaseballReference.com? Oh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's not bookmarked or anything on my page, but it's just because if you press player, B, right, yeah. it just whatever, pops up. Whatever player I need, I type in the name. Baseball Reference automatically comes up, basically. So yeah, I'd probably say I'm on there. You know, three hours a day, just looking at nonsense half the time you know jealous what did this guy do against lefties in 2014 <laughs> why does it matter it doesn't but i'm interested. i'm still interested yeah uh baseballreference.com is such a fun rabbit hole like two o'clock in the morning you can be on there and still be like i had no idea he did that that's crazy i'm about to open up the world to you on another thing here so do you know about their play index feature i don't think so so you can pay, I think it's like $2 for a two-day subscription to it, or you can pay $36 for the year, which to me, easy decision, especially because yeah. I use it so often. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but you can literally go through and put in all these stipulations for years, careers, games, streaks, and you can find like players that did exactly what you're looking for. So um, yesterday with my DH video, I wanted to see pitchers last year that made at least had 10 plate appearances and had an OPS above 600, and there was only nine. And it gave me the, all their hitting numbers and who they were and sorted them and everything. Or like uh, another popular topic recently for me has been like Scott Rowland as a Hall of Famer. I don't think he is one. And the reason I did it was because I took his numbers from his prime, put them into that machine and found guys who had similar numbers. And there was a lot of guys who had similar numbers during their primes. So to me, he's too much like everybody else, which means he's not a Hall of Famer. So that was like an easy way for me to argue with people where it's like, no, I got the numbers. I got you on this one. You're not beating me. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. I did not know they had that. And especially in baseball, um, that's, that's the best part. I mean, my cousin and I, we just call them Everstats. <laughs> we, we just go like, oh, there, here's another Everstat. Like, this is the first time ever that this happened. You know? yeah. that, those are my favorite ones because they pop up all the time in baseball. I don't even know how many times a year because there's been so many games, so many plate appearances, so many things that have happened. Um, 
that there's just so many opportunities now. And it's, it's actually crazy when you see them now. You're like, wow, that's never happened before. Like, that is actually kind of surprising. I didn't know that. Yeah, like there was even some stats where like when looking up Scott Rowland, like you get super specific with stuff and like no one ever had a season like this. That's pretty impressive. But then, you know, you find the other stats you go, oh, 75 third baseman had a season like that. So not that cool then. So yeah, you, you find out a lot about baseball and this play index thing has like opened up so much for me. I love it. I'm on that pretty much all day. I love it. That is so cool. I, I mean, $36 for a year. I mean, that's like one dinner. I'll tell my girlfriend we're not going on a date this yeah. weekend. And that's, that's the $36 right there. So that's super easy, actually. Um, one more thing about the, the Yankees. How, uh, how hard did you laugh when Derek Jeter was not unanimously selected? I had a nice giggle. Yeah. I, uh, I thought he should have been, obviously. Like, I think he's a yeah. I'm, I'm of that group that he's a no-doubt Hall of Famer. Of course. But I do love that because I, I take pleasure in seeing yeah. any fans struggle because my entire life, the 24 years on earth, they've been better than the Mets. It's just a fact. So anytime that they have a little bit of pain in their life, go, yeah, that's right. Now you know what it feels like. Oh. And like, I, even though you're complaining about yeah, exactly. players of all time, and I'm not getting 100%. <laughs> right. <laughs> he he's in the hall of fame and the guys that get 70 what 75 percent they're all in the hall of fame too so yeah. who cares man it doesn't really matter but yeah it made me laugh um and then with the astro scandal another thing like being here in the new york city area listening to the radio sometimes just how salty yankees fans were when all the astros cheating stuff came out they just assumed they were going to win the 2017 world series it was just yeah. like a far gone it was just a conclusion like oh yeah if we just like you know had beat them like there's no shot the dodgers would have won so they were just all going in on the Astros and I I love it I just sat there and laughed they were so salty oh it's great I mean because they have so much success so the very few times we get to see them actually fail you got to take it in because it doesn't happen often exactly and the last 10 years not making it to not just making it to a world series and seeing how just crazy and yeah I'm just like you know the Mets have been to more world series in the last 10 years than the yankees have i don't know it's kind of a weird stat right as soon as the world series ended this year i think i made a tweet immediately the mets have been to more world series in the 2010s than the new york yankees and yep. i was like ah you can't even argue that one you it's cannot crazy. now granted we didn't win and that was one of the like no. I, I cried i was at city field for the game they won which was oh, cool I noah was- syndergaard 60 feet six inches that was incredible um but uh yeah that was that was heartbreaking uh first team to ever blow three saves in a world series hmm. interesting yeah, stat and- the thing was like they blew those three saves i know familia got like a lot of trash for it but he also came in like cleaning up situations yeah about, like almost every time the only mm-hmm. one he really blew was the one in kansas city like in my opinion where it was, he gave up a home run to alex gordon man oh god dude that was awful but still shit, man whatever that that's fine that's over it is what it is all we're right mets fans. We're, we're mess fans we're we uh misery what does misery love company and that's why we're having such a good time today with mark i think that's what it is um all right so a couple things i guess Let's talk about just the Mets for a little bit. And then I want to talk about just baseball in general for the year upcoming, like with the Mets specifically, do you think Familia and Diaz remember how to pitch? So it's a really weird thing. Cause it's going to sound like super arrogant of me, but I know how to fix Familia. Diaz is a little bit more of a concern to me for Familia. His like release point is so terrible last year, which I think has to do with like the shoulder issues that he was having, which makes a lot of sense. So I'm interested to see what he looks like in spring. And I think that'll tell us a lot. Um, he tend to last year, like release the ball, like really early. So like really far back, which for a sinker ball pitcher, like him and a splitter guy, that's why everything was staying so flat and high, um, which was a big problem for him because his stuff is gross. There's just no denying it. He has some of the nastiest movement in the game for a reliever. It's just a matter of he needs to keep in that lower half of the zone. He can't pitch up 
the only time he can pitch up is when that stuff is working and he sneaks one up there to, you know, beat it by you. But for him, it was all release point. And I thought Phil Regan got it at one point. I thought he figured it out. And I think he knew what was wrong. It's just a matter of getting him to fix it, which is a little easier said than done. Diaz is the one who scares me because mechanically, a few things here and there, but nothing that should really be making him give up as many home runs as he was. It's what's in his head right now that scares me the most. And you can't really fix that. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I agree. Um, I didn't like the Familia signing. I thought it was too much, and I don't. He, as you, you're right, his stuff is insane, especially during that um, the the run, the 2015 run. I mean, his stuff was unbelievable. Yeah. But at the same time, like he walked so many people last year, it was insane. And as a relief pitcher, you can't walk. Like that's like the rule number one: don't walk Walks anybody. The enemy, man. Walks you the can't. Enemy. Like even in high school, that was like we had this like super old high school baseball coach nice guy, but he was a terrible baseball coach. But one thing that he did that like actually made sense, he emphasized not giving away free nineties. So no walks, no air. Like you gotta be fundamentally sound. I was like, he's kind of right with that. That's a big thing in baseball. You can't give away free bases. Yeah. It's insane. Walks are walks are the worst. Um, and familiar might've been the worst pitcher at it last year. He was, he was uh, up there, there at least crazy high. Like I think at one point his like walks per nine were like above five and that's just unbelievable. Insane. <laughs> that's, I mean, essentially every what, inning like was that like every inning you're giving up half a walk or something like that's yeah. like ridiculous as a relief pitcher like your goal is to just get in and get out yep. get your three outs or whatever it is now what next is it this year or next year the uh the minimum three batter rule starts three batter rule starts this year so, it is uh, very be, weird see how that works because that's why i think the mets didn't go after avilon was because he is such a, a loogie as they call him mm-hmm. um, and they went with more of like a Justin Wilson. And I think Zamora is going to be our other lefty in the pen. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see, man. I'm going to watch. I don't know if I'm going to oh, be happy, course, but I'm going to watch. Um, Pete Alonso, do you think he ever hits 50 home runs in a season again? I think he does. I don't think it'll be next year. Yeah. Um, I think, I think he, he just has to cool off a little bit. He can't. That would be like one of the hottest starts to a home run hitter's career ever. Back-to-back 50 home run seasons like that. I don't know if that honestly has ever happened. I'll have to check play index later. but. Ooh. But Get back to me on that if you want. I, I will. Um, but I think he's still going to be good. I think what we saw last year is very indicative of the kind of player he is slash line-wise. Like, I think 250 average is really ex- – like, that's what you can expect. I honestly think I, his on-base percentage could go up because he, st- he went through that stretch after the home run derby where he was really pressing, like almost like, I got to live up to this home run derby hype. Like, I got to do this, where you kind of saw him be a rookie for once. Um, you know, swinging out of the zone and everything. But towards the end of the year, again, he got like really patient. And I know at the beginning of the year, super, I have a Mets photographic memory, but I don't know if you remember, they played the Twins and they were making a comeback. The Twins bullpen came in and was just walking everybody. And he came up with the bases loaded and worked a really good at bat and ended up taking the walk where that could have been such a situation where he's like, I'm going to save the day. I'm going to hit the home run, end it right here. But he like, he showed maturity, which to me, that was like one of the biggest things for him all year was he was just, miles ahead of where rookies are from a mental aspect which you can't teach that kind of stuff yeah it's he's he's such he seems like such a cool dude and i actually interviewed another gentleman sorry for plugging myself one more time that actually made thank you thank you mark i appreciate (laughs) it um that actually made his uh suit um he's a custom menswear uh maker made pete alonzo's suit pete alonzo loved it so much that he might even bring him back for his wedding to do his suit and all his groomsmen so He's a good friend of mine too, so I'm still uh, still holding out for that. Uh, 
autograph, Jeff. Maybe, but until then, maybe a little wedding invite plus one. Yeah, I t- it's I actually I said that he's like, oh, it's in Ireland, and I was like, that's fine. I'll play for your fight. Like I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll pay for the flight. Like that's totally fine. If that's the only thing, man, dude, let's go. You have a new your wife just had a newborn. Like you can't take her. Like you got to take somebody. Maybe, why not be me, right? Of course. We'll see, man. We'll see. Um, and then the new manager, Luis Rojas. How do you? I mean, what a weird freaking off season. Um, I also, I, I, were you a fan of the Carlos Beltran? All right, let's start there. So my first choice was Joe Girardi from the start. Um, hey, me too. Weird. Yes. Huh. Um, I'm a big Girardi guy. I thought he got completely screwed with the Yankees. Like that team, the year that they lost to the Astros, go figure. We were just talking about that. That team wasn't supposed to be good. That was supposed to be the rebuild year for the mm-hmm. Yankees. And they almost made it to the World Series, which yep. I think sums up being a Mets fan against the Yankees for your yes. entire life. Uh-huh. Um, and I love them. I think the way he manages the game, he's old school, but I think he understands what needs to be done at a like, you know, more modern level of baseball where like a guy like Buck Showalter have no faith in. Um, so I really wanted Girardi. Scares me that he goes to the Phillies a lot because they have a lot of talent there. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Um, but Carlos Beltran, I was okay with. I was happy because he's like kind of our guy. You know, he was a mm-hmm. I consider him a Met. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone around the league always has amazing things to say about him. And I think that there's no doubt he has a very high level of baseball IQ. Um, and coming from Mickey Calloway the year prior, nobody could be worse than him. So I was happy that Mickey was gone. That's really what it came down to is, all right, Mickey's gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretty much 100%. I felt the same way. Like, it was cool that, you know, Beltran's our guy. He only gets praise from everybody around the league, no matter who you're listening to or what city they're from. Everybody loved him. Everyone said he's one of the smartest baseball guys you'll ever meet. Um, no, I'm sure, you know, they're, they're blowing smoke. They're pumping his tires a little bit. But at the same time, it's one of those things where, I mean, if, it's, if there's smoke, there's fire, right? At some point, there has to be enough truth there if this many people are coming out. So I was like, okay, I'm... I'm excited, but after a first-year manager, you know, essentially two years in a row, which is yeah. usually doesn't happen very often uh, to a single person, um, you know, just I was happy Mickey was gone. Um, but I was like, why did we then just go with the first-year manager again? I think that that's kind of silly, but okay, at least it's Beltron. Now it's, okay, well, that, that was a really weird couple months um, or really just like a really weird couple weeks. And now we have another gentleman Luis Rojas, young dude, 38, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, that is also a first-time manager. Granted, he managed, I think, like, it, I looked at the record. It was pretty much every single minor league team the Mets looked like they had on their system, but that's obviously not the same thing. So how do you feel about this hire, and especially at this time, at such a weird turning point for the, the Mets? So I'm a huge Luis Rojas guy. Okay. I love the signing. Uh, back, I went to the Dodgers-Mets game. I got like, you know, passes from the Mets and everything. They hooked me up big time. And we were on the field, me and my dad. And he goes, who's that guy? Because he looks like a young guy. But like, this guy, is he a player they called up or whatever? And I'm like, no, it's Luis Rojas. He goes, what is he? I said, he's the manager in waiting for the New York Mets. I said, he might not be the next one. I said, but after this guy, I'm telling you, he's their choice. And he's like, really? Like, what does he do? I'm like, he's apparently the quality guy, the quality coordinator. And the players love him. Like, he's who's out there working with them every day. It's not Mickey. It's not these other guys. Rojas is hitting ground balls. Rojas is working on outfield stuff. I was like, he knows the game. Like, this guy gets it. And when Mickey got fired, I think I put out a tweet about how I don't think Luis Rojas will be the guy, but if there was a dark horse pick, that's my guy. And same thing in my video. I'm like, I like him as the outside looking in. Like, if he had odds of 1 to 100, you know, I'd I'd throw 100 bucks on him, try to win big, because I think he had a legitimate shot. So I'm really happy that he's the choice. Um, I'm not happy about the circumstances that he got it. It would have been nice, you know, to have him learn a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but you know, at some point you got to step up and you got to be thrown into the fire a little bit here. And I think 
the Mets are in such a position where they are a really good team. And from a roster standpoint, I think they're built strong where there's not a lot of holes. Um, his biggest decision is going to be, all right, where do I play JD Davis and Jeff McNeil? Cause those mm-hmm. guys may be in the lineup every day. So um, I really like it. I'm a fan of it and I, I trust him. I, I believe the guy a lot. I mean, I hope so. I'll be honest. I had no idea who he was um, before the coaching search the first one because I remember his name came up a few times um as a as a candidate and you know it felt like at the end it was Beltran versus Eduardo Perez and then I thought it was really weird that after Beltran left you're like all right well Eduardo Perez if he was the second you know person they coveted why wasn't it just like hey do you want to just come back in and remind us of all the stuff you said like so I thought it was very weird that they didn't go with him and they went with Rojas but hey man you you know a lot more about baseball than I do. I watch a hundred games, maybe a year Mets yeah. games, at least if not more. And I, I will, I'll definitely say, um, you know, I'll take your opinion and run with it. And if, if you think he was the coach and waiting and now he's the coach, Hey man, I'm for it. Worst things yeah. can happen, right? Apparently, I don't know if it was Brody, but they basically were talking with a lot of the players too, getting, trying to get their opinion after the Beltron thing. And almost apparently all of them were like, Luis is the guy like Rojas. A lot of them, oh, he's pretty much, had everybody that's come up through the system. Yeah, 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 right. Alonzo, they all love him. So I know like, you know, being a nice guy necessarily doesn't mean anything for wins and losses, but it's always good that he's going to have the, you know, clubhouse right from the start. So mm-hmm. that is, Mickey had no control over them whatsoever. Yeah, no, it was, it was very clear um, that he, he tried to be that he was like the parent that tried to be your friend and yeah, everyone was just cool like, yeah. yeah, sure, man. Whatever you say. Yeah. Oh, you'll let us drink tonight. Awesome. You're the best. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but you can't drink with us. No. Exactly. Exactly. Did you think it was weird that he only got a two year contract? Because I thought that was kind of weird. I think no, because well, that's what Beltron was given, right? Originally, the two year thing. I don't remember, to be totally honest with you. So I think they gave him the two year contract just because you know, let's see what he's got, right? Um, and you don't want to you give a guy a five year contract, especially with how the Mets have shown they're going to fire a guy at some point if he's not performing well. They're not just going to keep him around because his contract. And uh, we know that the Wilpons don't like to spend any money. So <laughs> that's extra money that if, let's say, he does just crash and burn miserably, that's extra years they got to pay the guy, and they don't want to do that. But pretty soon, man, Stevie Cohen. Can't wait. Our Can't savior. Wait. Our Brilliant. savior, dude. <laughs> I cannot wait. Turns out he might not be, like, the best person, but honestly, at this point, I'll wipe all that away if he can just, you know, spend, like, a New York team because, yeah. you know, we're in the city. Might be a little bit of a garbage person. <laughs> but listen, man, he's about making money, and he's a Mets fan, and he wants to win. So to me, he's my guy. I'm- exactly. I just hate – do we actually – do you think we're actually going to have to wait – we, look at me. Do you actually think we're going to have to wait five years for the Wilpons to actually be gone, or do you think the MLB steps in at some point? It's just like, all right, guys, like, you're not going to spend money past five years because you're afraid of spending his money. Like, let's, let's figure this situation out and just, just get the hell away. Please. Yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be the five years. Um, the Wilpons are real good friends with Manfred over there, so there's no pushing them out anytime soon. And I think that uh, – what's the, what's the old Wilpons name? I always get them mixed up. Fred? I think he's Fred, right? And Jeff is the younger one. Is the yes, son I think so. Um, Freddy Coupons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fred is uh, – he's getting up there at a little bit in age, and I think part of the reason why they were getting ready to sell was he's like, I'm getting my estate in order, and I don't trust Jeff to run this team one bit. So <laughs> I think he's like, he's like, let me get my money and run. Like, yes. so they're set, and then he can make whatever decision he wants then, but he's not doing it with my money. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to be waiting the five years, but I think you're going to start to see more involvement from him. It's just not going to be, you know, official until those five years. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm hoping in a couple years, like, they stop being scared. Um, 
maybe Brody's gone by then, hopefully. Yeah, Brody, um, I don't know where I stand with him. I was, He's weird, man. I was super against it. Like when we signed him, I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting on the toilet in San Diego. <laughs> Worst Mets, places to be. Yeah, no, and I see the Mets signed uh, Brave Van Wagon to be their new GM. I was like, yep, we signed an agent. We yep. signed an agent to be our next GM. No experience. Classic Mets move. We're in a win-now scenario, and we get a guy who has no experience. And then he was out, and he was aggressive. And I was like, hey, at least he's making moves. Exactly. Past that, we'll just sit on our hands and do nothing, kind of like the Cubs this offseason. Um, but then, you know, one thing I did like, he got the Grom, extended them. Mm-hmm. He was like, that's the guy we're keeping, because that was one thing with Sandy that always worried me was that he was going to dump him and just go rebuild, full rebuild at some point. So I like that Brody is trying to win now, but I hate the whole fakeness of, you know, we're the best team. I'm okay with being rah-rah. I believe in our guys, but don't tell me that you made the best signings that you could because we saw Bryce Harper and Manny Machado on the free agent market last year. Guys, we both could have used. They have a spot for the Mets. Anywhere they want to play, they're there. Uh, this, this current offseason, you had Anthony Rendon, who would have slotted in beautifully in the New York Mets lineup. Didn't even probably make an offer towards him. Um, I just don't like the whole like sleazy business sales guy yeah. that I get with him of saying we're going to try it, but really, you know, nothing's happening. Yeah, I was, I was very against it. And then, yeah, I was like, okay, cool. He's at least doing something. I'll take doing something over nothing. Yeah. But then the things that he did and getting Robinson Cano – and now we're going to have to look at him. And, man, was he incredible in his prime. But, oh, my goodness, I don't want to see him take another at bat. Here's and it's – oh, my God. With Cano, and I, I wasn't against the trade at first. What hurt me was Kalanick. Kalanick was the prize possession. Yeah. I saw his name, and I was like, you know, he's Christian Yelich part two. That's like oh, no. Yelich in the coming. That's what oh. I saw when I saw his swing. So, I, he really hurt me. Justin Dunn didn't care about that. Yeah, that's me. whatever, yeah. He's a four or five starter uh, probably in his career. Um, and the Gerson Batista guy, whatever he's, a yeah, yeah, those guys are expendable. Um, but giving up Kellenic hurt a lot. And the fact that we're tied to Cano for that money is a killer, especially knowing that we don't spend any money that we're wasting $20 million going to a guy who is not even the best second baseman on our team. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like when he was healthy last year, towards the end of the year, before he pulled his hamstring or whatever, again, in Pittsburgh, he was hitting really well, but you know, that's, what's going to be the next five years is if you get a hundred games out of him, that's great, probably, but out of those 100, probably 40 of them are going to be at a high level. So exactly. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. That, yeah, I mean, I was excited for Diaz, but then that absolutely blew up. So if that trade isn't one of the most – and then we'll see what, what um, Kalanick, Kalechnik, however the heck you say his last name, however good he is. I mean, if he's Christian Yelts part two, I'm going to be super, super sad. But until – <laughs> no, man, don't do that to me. Um, and then um, – what uh the Jed Lowry trade or the the signing that was okay at the time now looks terrible I think it was okay at the time because he was going to be kind of what Jeff McNeil is now to us yeah like, but we already had Jeff McNeil guy, but we already have Jeff McNeil and obviously we didn't think he was gonna be that good but yeah. Yeah. and then the emergence of JD Davis also mm-hmm. kind of pushed out Jed Lowry because yeah. G- no one expected JD to hit like he did last year I loved the trade when they made it I was like listen this is a guy who raked in AAA mm-hmm. had no spot with the Astros and talking to players I know one of the hardest things to do when you get called up is basically they expect you to perform in those four at bats that you get and if you don't uh, you get kind of kicked to the side who's next mm-hmm. um, so I was like he didn't really get a fair shot let's see him play it out if he doesn't whatever the guys we trade don't even matter anyway so what are we worrying about here um, but yeah Lowry that one's going to hurt because apparently he got hurt again. Is what, that even- seriously? 
So I think they asked Brody about it, and he's like, yeah, he's still working through some injuries. Like, how? How can this guy That's still impossible. That's oh impossible. Oh, my God. That's insane, dude. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, and the, the thing about Brody that makes me probably the most angry is we could have had Bloom. Yeah. We could have had Bloom. We could have had a gentleman from the Rays organization who's been there since he was like 20 or whatever, learned everything from this organization that is so much further advanced than pretty much everybody than other maybe the Astros. And now we're kind of finding out maybe the Astros were just kind of cheating the whole time. Yeah. But so much further advanced. And you just think about it. Even though the Mets, yes, they don't like to spend – their payroll is roughly two and a half times the size of the Rays. What if you gave this guy, who is so much smarter than everybody else, yep. two and a half times more money to spend? That is incredible. He would have done so many amazing things, and I would have loved every second of it because he would have been able to keep Jacob DeGrom. Yep. Right? Like, it's not like he would have been in the Rays where it's like, all right, he's, you know, two years, you know, let's try and get all these prospects for him and, you know, just continue what we do. No, he could have kept him and then done all these other incredible things. And now he's going to do that with the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he actually trade Mookie Betts. I think that's, you know, just trying to drum up some stuff. But, like, he's, it's going to be incredible, and I'm super, super jealous. Yeah, I think what the Red Sox are doing with the Mookie stuff is very similar to the old Noah and DeGrom thing. We're listening. Mm-hmm. See what's out there. You give us an offer we can't refuse, sure, we'll take it. But, you know, we're not going to push the button because he's going to be a free agent or anything like that. It's we'll see, man. And we all know they're kind of not going to sign him. So I think it just depends on what happens this year. If they're in the race, they'll keep him. If not, then whatever, like you'll get compensatory picks and stuff. So it's not that big a deal. So it is what it is. Um, So I was going to ask about like baseball in general, but we've been talking for over an hour now and I've absolutely loved it. Let's, let's not even worry about it. You know, know, last one, what's your world series prediction? Clickbait everyone for me. Right now, (laughs) I really like the Braves. The Braves are the team. Really? National League, they scare the hell out of me. I think they're so good. Uh, And then the American League, I got to go with the Yankees. Yeah. I think, I don't know who's going to win that series. I have to think about matchups and everything like that. But I think those are the two teams right now to beat in each league. Uh, The Braves offense is just so crazy good. And I loved, I loved the signing of Will Smith. I thought that was so good. So underrated, especially because it happened so early in the offseason. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like everybody forgets about it, but now they have him. They have Mark Melanson. They still have Chris Martin and Shane Green. Those are four legitimate arms, along with any of the young guys that they're going to be calling. Yeah. Which they have a loaded farm system. Um, Acuna, Freeman, Albies. You added Marcelo Zuna. What yeah. the is that? Yep. I mean, the team is just so good top to bottom. Yeah, and you made a really great point in one of your videos, so make sure to go check them out after uh, Giraffe Neck Mark um, on YouTube. But uh, it's essentially the same deal they gave Donaldson right? Like here, here's one year, prove it. Well, we'll pay you, you know, 18 million. I think Ozuna got, and I think Donaldson was right around 20, yep. 20 something, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we'll pay you, but you know, just go out there and let someone else pay you a hundred million dollars next year. And what's crazy too, is that now they can have Austin Riley play third base, which is really yep. for the position that he's good at. So you're almost improving in a way because you're not having a guy in left field who has no idea what he's doing out there, who's going to be worried about his fielding, which is going to affect his hitting. Now you just let him be comfortable Dude could pop off this year. Dude, I love it. And, I mean, I'm a huge Josh Donaldson fan. I loved him when he was in Oakland, loved him when he was on uh, Toronto. It was sad. He got hurt, and everyone was like, he forgot how to throw a baseball. It's like, well, it was bad. It was not a good look. I thought that trade with Cleveland, but like right before, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, And if it would have worked, that would have been amazing. Uh, But, you know, it is what it is. So, well, the last question I have for you, what is, I guess, moving forward, like, you get to, as we said in the beginning, you just get to talk about baseball every single day. You get to. And I think it's one of the coolest things, and you have to love it. But moving forward, like, what is 
what is it? Is it a media empire? Is it just, you know, Hey, I'm just going to try and get to a million subscriptions. Like what is that vision that you see for yourself? Even if it's there, or if it's not like, what are you projecting to, and what are you trying like to, to reach out to? So I don't think I'm like ever trying to be like a media empire. I think that takes so much time and so much man work that not that I wouldn't want to be involved in it. Cause obviously listen, that people are doing great with it. John boy's doing great. Barstool's just got bought for $450 million. What's up. Yeah. Yeah. So like, obviously there is definitely a market there, but I just don't think that's for me. I kind of like being a personality, like in the baseball community. Um, I'm like actually thinking about starting a podcast at some point. Um, so like figuring out space to get that, uh, just working on my YouTube videos, kind of expanding outside of just being a YouTuber, um, being more nationally recognized and just considered legit, even though I don't have, you know, the check mark on Twitter or I'm not breaking news, just trying to become more, um, legitimized, I guess, in the eyes of the grand scheme of baseball fans, as opposed to just the young group of people that watch YouTube on baseball or baseball uh, on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but you can watch, uh, YouTube on baseball now, right? I think, no, I'm kidding. Um, what, um, Hey man, I will, I will wish and pray for that. I think that it is awesome. I think your videos are, are fantastic. I think you have exactly the, the, the takes aren't too hot. They actually have some substance behind them. It's not like you're watching those idiots on the TV, just yell about dumb shit that we all know is not going to happen or care about, which is insane. But, um, I think it's great. And yeah, maybe one day we can see you on MLB network because that's pretty much what my TV is set on 99% of the time anyway. Uh, yeah. so hopefully you get there one day, man. I would love it. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, it's definitely, uh, definitely living the dream. Can't complain. Can't complain. Awesome. Uh, Mark, this was awesome. Uh, please send me over the links for everything. I mean, I could obviously find your YouTube page, but that's awesome. Where else can everybody find you though? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, keep it all the same draft neck Mark anywhere that there's social media. I even got a TikTok the other day. Uh, Whoa. I haven't posted there yet. Cause I don't okay. know what I'm going to do, but uh draft neck Mark everywhere. So if you're interested in following me, I'll be somewhere. I can't wait. And I'm, I'm really curious what those TikToks are going to be like. Cause that's a weird place, man. That is a weird place. It's a strange place. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Mark. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes of for the love of sports. Um, on a personal note, I would really like to say thank you and, and sincerely, sincerely mean that this is the actual favorite thing that I get to do. Just talk to incredible people have great conversations and I learn and hopefully you're learning something and hopefully we can laugh along the way. So if you could please give this a five-star review, if you could please share this, um, subscribe to it, do whatever you have to do. The more people that do that, the more these stories and these conversations get out. And I'm really hoping that one day, um, one day soon, this will be something that I get to do as a full-time job um, on top of my other full-time job, of course. But this is an absolute blast. Sincerely appreciate it. Check the show notes for all social media handles. Anything that came from the episode, we'll have everything down there. And I hope you really did enjoy it. So if there's anything I can do better, please make sure to reach out. Uh, my email address, michaelperiodrazeal1 at gmail. Please make sure to check me out on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram, and, and just reach out because I'm willing to answer any questions. And hey, if you got a cool story, I'd love to have you on as well. So thank you so much. Sincerely appreciate it and I hope you make it a wonderful day.